Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey, self-lovers. I'm so happy that you're here to celebrate my birthday with me. My birthday was actually on February 8th. Woohoo! Cheers to Aquarius season. But today I wanted to do a list of 25 life lessons that I'm learning, code word learning. I don't have it all figured out, nor do I ever want to pretend to. But these are just 25 things that I really hope to embody in my 25th year on this earth. And this list I've been compiling for about a month. I feel like it's such a beautiful way to reflect, look back on my life, and record this not just for you, but for myself as well. So if you are here listening to this, I know that I also shared some clips of this on social media. But in this podcast episode, I'm going to elaborate on each of the points, maybe share a personal story or how I came to learn that specific life lesson. And I'm just really honored and grateful that you're here. If you want to give me the best birthday gift ever, first of all, you listening to this is already the best birthday gift ever. But also, if you haven't yet rated the show on Spotify or reviewed it on Apple, it would just mean so much to me. I mean, it really helps the show grow. It really helps me do this for a living. And something like content creation and podcasting is not possible without your support. So thank you so much in advance. And if you have my books, either The Gift of Self-Love or 100 Days of Self-Love, I'm not going to say go buy the book for me as a birthday gift to me because I don't want you to do that. I want you to buy the book for you only if it calls you. But if you already have a copy and you have a minute to leave a review of the books as well, either on Amazon or wherever you bought it from, again, it just really helps me grow as an author as somebody who just like really hopes to eventually get off of social media and pursue writing and podcasting full-time. Those reviews are really what help other people find the book and continue to spread the gift of self-love. So thank you in advance if you're doing that. And either way, I'm just so happy that you're here. So let's dive into 25 things I'm learning in my 25 trips around the sun. So first of all, everyone is a mirror and everything is a projection. What does this mean? Any single person that you encounter, and if you're feeling activated by them, triggered by them, inspired by them, jealous of them, whatever that is, it is only reflected to you because you're already seeing that thing within yourself. I know that's such a hard truth to swallow, and maybe I shouldn't have started with <laughs> such a harsh one from the get-go, but this one was just really revolutionary for me because it helps me constantly look inward. Now, this doesn't mean gaslighting yourself. It more so means to tune into self-awareness to hopefully not get so like aroused by other people's energies and instead really going inside and being like, okay, well, what is it about them and what is it activating within me? Because everyone is a mirror and we can learn from every single person on this planet. That's exactly what I mean when I say everything is a projection. Perception is projection. So if you see something in someone else that you like, then chances are you already have that quality within yourself. Why? Because you can't see something in someone else unless you see it in yourself too. And that includes maybe the not so great parts in somebody else. Maybe 
there's somebody that like really, really bothers you. Well, the problem isn't with them. It's probably something within you and they're just stirring it up. It goes with that four agreements. If you've read the book, The Four Agreements, listen to my podcast episode on rejection or all of the dozens of podcast episodes that I mentioned that book on. It talks about how we should not take anything personally because anything anyone says or does is all about them and not about you. We're all just like each other's mirrors. I know that's super esoteric and out there and you can take it with a grain of salt if you wish, but for me, it's been really life-changing. Number two, most cosmetic procedures come with consequences that are not worth their beauty. And this one I was thinking about because when I was like 16, 17 years old, I really wanted a boob job. And now, what is it, like seven, eight years later, everybody is getting explant surgery because all of this stuff is coming out about how breast augmentations are causing some kind of health consequences. And I'm not super deep in that world, but I do know a few friends who have dealt with it personally. And I think the same thing goes for like lip filler. Like I've seen a lot of videos of people talking about how this stuff that they're injecting into their lips is like making their face numb or like having an adverse reaction and anything like cosmetic with needles that you're injecting, paying tons of money for, like putting yourself through pain and your your poor body for some benefit of beauty. In my opinion, from what I've learned, it's not worth it. And I'm just so grateful that my mom talked me out of getting a boob job when I was 18 because, well, I couldn't afford it. So there was not much talking out of to do. But I remember she was just like, nope, there is no way that anything like that is going in your body. You're not going under the knife at 18 years old. And I was so mad at her. And now I'm just so grateful so grateful that I didn't do that because I'm watching so many people around me suffer. And if that's you, if you're suffering, or if you enjoy your cosmetic procedure, that's totally cool and fine. And I wish you nothing but love. Honestly, this is just like a life lesson that I'm learning for me. All that to say, I'm not going to tiptoe around these life lessons anymore. So like I said, this is 25 things that I'm learning as I make 25 trips around the sun. So I think I don't have to over explain myself to you. So let's move on to number three. If we all ate the same and exercised the same and used same products and did the same daily things, our bodies would still look different. The majority of what we look like is because of genetics, and there's truly not that much we can do to alter what we look like. And if you're looking at somebody else and you're like, oh, they have amazing hair, it's probably because of this supplement they're taking. Maybe, but like, 89% of that is not the supplement, it's their genetics that are making them have like beautiful hair or whatever that is. So I really have to remind myself of this anytime I'm getting super influenced or I want to look like someone else or I'm mad at my body for just not adhering to a certain standard that I'm seeing. Like everybody is just different. And even if you did the exact same thing as your favorite model, your body would still look like your body for the most part. Number four, there's no perfect job or partner or family or lifestyle or even like society. The real question is, what are you willing to struggle for and make the most out of? What are you willing to put up with? And I know this is like maybe an unpopular opinion or a hot take, but I think especially these days when 
it's possible to romanticize every single type of lifestyle. Like there's not a single type of thing out there on the internet that is not being fed to us as like the best way to live life. And I just don't want to buy into that anymore. Like I don't want to compare my relationship to somebody else. I don't want to compare my body to someone else. I don't want to compare my lifestyle to somebody else. Like I live in the suburbs of Arizona and sometimes I'm like, oh, I should live in the city because then I could go to the cafe and get my favorite coffee. Like I see all these people do and wear these cute outfits and da 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 da. But like I can make the most out of living in the suburbs of Arizona. And I do. And I love it. And is it the most glamorous thing in the world? No. But I feel safe. And I I go outside. And even though it's not the most aesthetic thing in the world, it's still like a good lifestyle for me. So I think that there's this threshold where after you make a certain amount of money, like a baseline income, everything else really does start feeling like the grass is always greener on the other side. And we can literally romanticize everything. And what I like to do instead is shift into, okay, well, this is my reality. Do I want this to be my reality, first of all? And really, really think about this. Like, is it that bad? And the big question is, like, what are you willing to struggle for? What are you willing to make better? Even if it's, like, living in a certain country. Like, do I agree with everything there is about the United States? No, but I'm going to stay here for the time being, make the most out of it, and hopefully fight or do something to make not just my life here better, but life for other people, too. So, Grass is not always greener on the other side. And the way I learned this was actually pretty recently. I saw a TikTok of somebody sharing like bad things about living in Denmark. And I was so like appalled by that because I feel like everybody romanticizes living in Denmark. But there was this content creator on TikTok who doesn't like living in Denmark. And I was like, oh, so okay, here I am in the States being like, I want to live in Europe. And then meanwhile, there are people in Europe that are like, I want to live in the States or wherever else in the world that is for you. Anyway, number five, getting everyone to like you is a useless pursuit. And if you do somehow succeed, then it's probably a sign that you are losing yourself. I don't think I have to explain this one because it's one of those that that something just eventually clicks. Like, I'm kind of still waiting for that click, but I think I'm getting close to it. Eventually, you're like, I not only don't care if people don't like me, but I legitimately don't want everyone to like me. Because if everyone liked me, then I would probably be left with a watered-down, lousy-ass version of myself. And I don't want that. I will trade other people's approval for being my authentic self. Number six, happiness is also a useless pursuit. Okay, I did a whole podcast episode about this. It's called Stop Trying to Be Happy. And in that podcast episode, I talk about how a more meaningful pursuit is to create meaning in your life. So instead of being like, oh, it's going to make me happy, what's going to bring more meaning? What's going to bring more long-lasting fulfillment? Not just like a little dopamine hit, but something that I'm actually like proud of and feel at peace about. So you don't have to be happy all of the time to feel fulfilled or live a meaningful life. 
Number seven, your body does not exist for other people to look at. Stop trying to live for the male gaze or the female gaze or even your own gaze. And I think this is obviously easier said than done. I think some feminist perspectives will bring up the fact that it's nearly impossible to not live for the male gaze. I mean, like you can try with your actions, but because of how deeply we've been conditioned, especially as women, there will always be something in our brains that are treating ourselves and our bodies and just existing in a way that it's like performing or like trying to look good for other people. And I remember when I was in recovery, I was still in college. I walked by this guy and I was pretty like deep into recovery. Like I felt like at peace with my body and I was wearing, I don't know, tight clothes or jeans or whatever I wore to college. And I was having a good day. I was feeding myself. Everything was great. And then I walked by this like guy. I thought I was cute. And instantly I was like, okay, suck in, fix your hair, walk by, move your hips. Like instantly my brain went to, okay, you got to alter your appearance a little bit to make sure that he notices you. And I hate that there's a part of our brains. I'm I don't want to speak for you, but I think for most women, it's just like so deeply ingrained that it's impossible not to. And these days people are like, I'm living not for the male gaze, but for the female gaze. But it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a little better. But to me, it's one and the same. Even living for your own gaze, even being like, well, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I just want to look good for myself. Like, okay. <laughs> I I think there's a lot to unpack there. So the shift that I like to make is... I want to feel in my body more than I look at my body. And the reason why this is powerful is because it lets me approach it in a way where I'm not like, I don't care what anybody thinks of me and I'm never going to look at myself in the mirror or pretend like I don't care about my appearance whatsoever. No, it's more like, okay, I'm going to remind myself to feel in, to experience my body more than I look at, just at least a little bit more, even if it's 1% more. To me, that's already winning. So taking deep breaths or walking away from the mirror, not stepping on the scale when I see it at the gym, not looking in the car window mirror before I go somewhere and just let my hair just be what it is. Like These tiny things really do add up to remind you that you are a human being first who is worthy of existing, looking exactly like you are right now, and not needing to adjust or manipulate or change in any way. So feel in your body more than you look at your body because your body is what? Your body is not an image. It's an experience. Number eight, slow down. You have time. Number nine, don't explain yourself to people who are committed to misunderstanding you. Why? Okay, the more you try to explain yourself to somebody who's going to be committed to misunderstanding you, the more reasons they will have to misunderstand you. You're just like digging a bigger hole for yourself. And this happens because our brains are naturally wired to defend ourselves. So if somebody is already like against you or they're looking for something to hate about you or they're just like on edge for whatever reason, then whatever you say or do is just going to add to that. So instead, just like be, don't try to 
overdo it. I had a mentor who used to tell me overcompensation perpetuates the deficit that you feel. So anytime you find yourself like scrambling, trying to get people to understand you, it's only perpetuating the fact that you're afraid of being misunderstood. And I do this a lot. You witness it on this podcast where there are certain things I'm like, I need to keep finding the perfect words until they perfectly land with this person because I am so afraid of being misunderstood. But sometimes like I have to admit it waters down the message, right? Some things are better when they're left just like as they are. So don't water down the message. Don't water down yourself because somebody who is committed to misunderstanding you will do so either way. Next, number 10, you can love someone and know that they are not right for you. This is a lesson from my ex, my first long-term relationship as an adult. I still deeply care about him. I hope he's well. We're not in contact, but I wish him nothing but the best because at a certain point, he was the most important person in my life, the one who helped me get into and ultimately get through recovery, and it was toxic and borderline abusive and not a good relationship for me whatsoever. And I stayed in it much longer than I should have. And I'm so proud of myself for getting out despite the extraordinary circumstances that we were faced with that unfortunately I can't share with you fully, but just know that there are relationships that you can be fighting for, that you can put your everything into, that you can really, really want to work out, that you can tell yourself that love is supposed to be a struggle, that love is worth fighting for, that I love this person, so I'm going to do anything I can. And that might not be healthy. Maybe love doesn't have to be so hard. Maybe love is safe and easy and boring sometimes. And maybe that's what we should aspire to be instead of confusing like passion with romance and abusive behavior and toxic behavior with love. If that's all you've ever seen, then of course you're going to feel like love doesn't exist without that, but it does. It really, really does. So you can love somebody, know that they are not right for you, and not want to be with them long-term. Let them go. (sighs) Number 11. Okay, this is my favorite one. And of course, I made it 11 because like 1-1, okay, basic bitch stuff. (laughs) Number 11. The more you acknowledge synchronicity, the more it happens. You have to respect and acknowledge the fact that what if it's not a coincidence? Like, what if this is beautifully synchronistic and totally meant to be? And even if it's not, like, why not just delight in that thought? And the more you notice it, the more you acknowledge it, the more you respect the power of synchronicity, the more it'll happen. And the more it happens, the more magical life becomes. This happens to me in ways big and small. Sometimes I'll be talking about something with a friend and then I'll open up this library book I got about World War II and the same exact word or phrase or concept is in that book. Like, what are the odds? I don't know. Is it a glitch in the system? I don't know. But whatever it is, it's cool as fuck. And that's the stuff that to me makes life worth living. Big shout out to my mom again for helping me learn this lesson because it's something that she's drilled into me ever since I was a kid. She was like very spiritual. She still is. And she always told me about the power of synchronicity. And as a kid, I would share with her, I'd be like, oh, mom, remember this thing we talked about last night? Well, my teacher talked about it today too. And my mom would always be like, oh, that's not an accident. That is synchronicity. And 
I don't know. I've just always really liked living my life that way. And it makes it fun and enjoyable. And the more you notice it, the more it happens. Super cool. Number 12, if something is expensive but genuinely contributes to your well-being, then it's not a waste of money. It's an investment in yourself. And this is something that I am very much learning because I always feel so guilty when I spend money. I can hear my ancestors rolling in their grave when they're like, why would you spend so much money on a frivolous thing for your bachelorette? But (laughs) you know what? Something can genuinely contribute to my well-being by by bringing me a little boost of a dopamine hit. Like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, of course, if I'm not going into debt over it, which I'm not. So there has to be this balance between, like, I'm spending money on myself, and that's okay. It's an investment. And, of course, like, being mindful. But really, for me, money mindset is something that I'm always consistently learning. And I feel like it's never going to be easy for me just because of, like, where my parents have come from, like, post-war, Soviet Union, kind of Jewish refugee kind of vibes. But ultimately, I am just so lucky and so fortunate. And I tell myself that my ancestors didn't go through what they went through only for me to stress about paying a dollar extra for almond milk and my coffee. You know what I mean? On that note, I'm going to take my dramatic sip of tea. Big Heart Tea, that is. My favorite certified organic tea with direct trade ingredients, wrapped in packaging made from plants, not plastics, and produced with the utmost regard for the farmers who grow it. I love Big Heart Tea, and I've been drinking their tea well before they sponsored the show because their company is female-founded, intentionally sourced, and mission-driven, which you can really taste with every sip. I'm currently drinking their Cup of Love Tea. It's literally called Cup of Love. How fitting, and I also love their herbal blends for the afternoons. Stock up on your own tea by going to BigHeartTea.com and use code MARY20 for a discount. That's BigHeartTea.com, and the coupon code is MARY20. Now back to the show. Number 13. Do not go into debt trying to impress people. Okay, we kind of covered that. And there are ways to look and feel wealthy on a budget. And this is something that's been exceptionally like fun for me in my 20s because I feel like I'm more or less financially stable, but definitely like have a strict budget because there is so much farther that I want to go. And I think a lot of building wealth is also saving money. So I'm always looking for not just like deals. I don't mean like shopping at Shein fast fashion, getting something for $5 that's hurting the planet and the people who made it. No, I mean, that looking and feeling wealthy on a budget is really a mindset. And gosh, that sounds so cheesy. I sound so like, I don't know, not everything is a mindset. I get it. But it really is about like carrying yourself with this idea that like, oh, like who I am and the more rich and experiences I become and the more well-read I am. My mom always says education is something that nobody can take away from you. It's something that makes you so interesting. It's just if you read books, those kinds of things are what is really, really like not just important, but also like to me, a sign of wealth and not just materialistic wealth, but just like worldly knowledge and being a well-rounded individual and carrying yourself in a way that you care more about 
experiences and learning and making the most out of this life and not that cheap fast fashion thing that you're trying to buy. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like those kinds of things are more of a waste of money. Whereas if you spent the same amount of money on books, like, again, that's an investment. So I'm not saying don't buy cute stuff, but I am saying, like, look for ways to look and feel wealthy on a budget, whether that's going to Goodwill and making an experience out of thrifting outfits. Like, there's so much you can do, and you could look expensive, or going to the library, like, committing to being a well-read person, or just making the most out of, like, what you already have in your house. Maybe there's some, like, rearranging that you want to do, or just, like, a little mental reset or bringing like some kind of ritual to the things that you do, like making coffee in the morning. Maybe there's a little extra something that you put it in, like a cute mug that really makes you feel that wealth that you want to embody, but not in a shallow way, but in like an elevated way. Does that make sense? I don't know if that fully makes sense. Not a fully formed thought, but I will get there. Number 14. This is a good one. If you're struggling to make a decision, sit in a dark, quiet room by yourself and listen. Just listen. Just sit for five, ten minutes. It could be really scary, honestly, to like sit in your dark closet all by yourself with no external noise. But like we never do that. And that's like a form of meditation. Hopefully you have some other kind of meditation practice. Journaling is a really good one. But the dark, quiet room thing, it's just something that I fall back on when I'm at rock bottom. If I'm at rock bottom, I go into my closet and I sit there and I just think and I listen and I regulate my nervous system and I just be with myself. Number 15. This is a fun one. I like this one. I want to do a full episode on this one. But as boring as small talk can be, it's also a necessary communication skill. And this brings me to number 16. The easiest way to get to know somebody. The easiest way to get to know somebody is to follow their geographic locations. So you start with, oh, did you grow up around here? If not, where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? What brought you here? Are there any other places you've traveled recently that you've really enjoyed? Is there anywhere you want to go? (laughs) Like those kinds of things, it basically gives you a really easy thing to resort to when you're making small talk. And that thing is just like, geographic location, like orient yourself and their story with your story based on how people are moving about. It's kind of cool. I don't remember the psychology behind this, but when somebody's, I think you can already see it, like when somebody's telling you about where they were born or where they were raised, that says a lot about them, where they went to school. Again, says so much about them. What brought them here? Like it could lead so many different directions and it's just an easy way to get to know somebody. So I have loved using that. Number 17, the most interesting people are the most interested people. We kind of talked about that earlier, so I'll just leave that there. The most interesting people are the most interested people. 18, if you go too deep in any direction, the viewpoint will become toxic and tone deaf and hypocritical. So stay grounded. This one I'm a little nervous to elaborate on because I don't want to get political. I don't want to ruffle feathers, but I have noticed that there are certain communities that when I started really diving into and learning about, I found myself 
feeling out of sorts because it seemed like what people were preaching and saying didn't necessarily align to their actions. And this isn't just like any particular political spectrum, but it also extends to religion or people who are part of any kind of community, honestly. If you go too deep anywhere, things get a little a little nasty, a little scary. So I try to keep myself level and grounded and balanced. Number 19, when traveling, always make an effort to learn at least a few common phrases in the local language. It's going to mean so much to the people who you are talking to. It also makes you look like not an asshole, like you're actually making an effort. And it's also going to make your experience there so much more rich. So learn a few phrases, learn the language if you can. Language learning is like the biggest way to connect with people and just really expand your perspective. And it's something that I hope to be more immersed in through the rest of my 20s, 30s, and my life. Okay, number 20, externally, life can seem easier when you adhere to society's beauty standards, but internally, it'll wreak havoc on your mental health. My opinion is that it's not worth it. What do I mean by this? Externally, I think it's kind of a fact of life that, like, for example, people might treat you better if you lose weight or when you were thinner. And me and one of my really good friends were just talking about this, how it just seemed like people were more drawn to you or, like, more wanting to be around you when you were skinnier or they just like treated you a little bit differently whether that's a little bit more respectfully or whatever that is and it sucks like our society is fat phobic it's really messed up there is also an aspect of like maybe you're treating yourself different so you're showing up differently to other people and maybe that difference is like being a little bit more closed off when you're having a bad body image day and then being a lot more open when you feel like you're adhering to society's beauty standards. So take note of that. But also, that's the external experience. That's why we can't talk about like anti-diet culture or beauty standards or recovery from disordered eating without talking about like the real fat phobic experience that so many people in bigger bodies are having. And if that's you, I'm sending you extra love because it's like systemic, right? Like there's legitimately people who are rude. There are legitimately doctors who won't listen. There are actual family members who will not get off your back and keep talking to you no matter how many times you set boundaries about not commenting on your body. Those kinds of things, right? So externally, it may seem like, okay, if only I change myself, then all of this will get easier. But internally, when you actually like go down that route, and I think a lot of us have probably been there, when you actually go down that route of like trying to change yourself to get other people to shut the fuck up or to get other people to like you, not only does that part wreak havoc on your mental health, like we talked about before, like getting everybody to like you is only going to make you lose yourself, but it's also the nature of it is that your brain starts thinking that other people's perceptions, again, that male gaze, female gaze, whosoever gaze, is more important than how you actually feel internally. And it's just such a slippery slope. You go down this rabbit hole and it's very hard to get out. That's why recovery is so hard. That's why just this work is so, so important. So I know externally it may seem easier, but 
internally, it's a lifelong battle. Don't set yourself up for that. And hopefully you can heal through the help of this podcast, my books, whoever else you're following and learning from sooner rather than later. That's my wish for everyone. Number 21, imposter syndrome is less about your self-confidence and more about systems of oppression that are meant to make you feel like you don't belong. Wow. That's a big one. So everybody talks about imposter syndrome like this individual like, oh, I feel imposter syndrome because I feel like I'm not good enough. So it's about my self-worth. Yes. And there's also this whole history of people and places and entire governments and system societies that have created this particular circumstance to make you feel like you're not meant to be here. And now that we're in 2023 and people have diversity quotas to fill, they're going to hire you and they might bring you in, but you won't feel like you don't belong because historically they didn't make people like you belong. So the energy that you're feeling, it's not just like, oh, some some guy said something to me and I took that hard and it's all my fault because I should have more confidence than that. No, it's, it's an overall energy. It's something that permeates the walls of nearly every single government building, every single corporation, every single, so many places. Like To say that it's all about you and your self-confidence, that you're feeling this imposter syndrome, it's just like not accurate. It's a very lazy way to describe imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is you breaking generational patterns, going after things that our ancestors would never even have dreamed of us achieving, and creating a different reality, paving the way for future generations. I know that sounds like really grand and big, but that's exactly what you're doing. So remind yourself of that. Anytime you feel an ounce of, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. What am I doing here? I'm not good enough for this job. Yes, you fucking are, or you wouldn't be there. You're killing it. You got this. Keep going. Ignore anybody who says otherwise. Yes, work on your confidence, but also like acknowledge this big elephant in the room too. Number 22, confidence is about believing in your ability to figure shit out. It's not about having everything figured out. It's just saying, okay, well, if I needed to, I could do this. If I wanted to, I'm sure I could figure this out. And with that being said, number 23, you'll never have everything figured out. So you have to roll with it. Like you absolutely just have to do things the best that you can and hope for the best. Honestly, I think that nobody has everything figured out. And those who seem like they do are probably really good at pretending or just not sharing everything. So that piece of information has brought me so much peace because anytime I feel like a mess, I'm like, eh, I'm just like one mess. Like, I don't know. Entropy is a natural occurrence in this entire universe. And I'm just like the human representation of it. Ooh, how cool. Number 24, a healthy relationship. We talked about this already, but I I needed to do another point about this. A healthy relationship will seem boring at first, especially if you've spent your whole life confusing abuse with passion and toxic behavior with romance. And you can spend your life confusing these things by watching your parents or maybe your first ever relationship, the first ever relationship that you had, whether that's in high school, college, As a young adult, whenever you had your first 
real relationship, that will often set the tone for like what you expect in the future. So that combined with the relationship your parents had, any major relationships in your life, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, like whoever you witnessed, if you saw a certain dynamic, unfortunately, naturally, we will try to recreate that dynamic. So oftentimes when we get into a healthy relationship, one that's actually might be good for us and might be worth pursuing, sometimes we just subconsciously reject it because it feels weird or it feels boring or we're like, I don't feel butterflies. Guess what, babe? Butterflies are often a sign of something being a little bit off. And the reason for that is because it's like this up and down chemical reaction. If somebody's putting you through that, for example, if they don't text you back for a day and you're waiting and they're stringing you along and then the next day they text you this beautiful, long, really nice thing about how much they like you and you feel butterflies, you're not really feeling butterflies because you like this person. You're feeling butterflies because there's a chemical reaction going off, a hit of dopamine because this person deprived you of attention and then they gave it to you. So of course you're going to hang on to that small piece that you got from them. And again, that's a sign of not narcissism, but narcissistic behavior and this kind of like back and forth dance that makes for, in my opinion, a very unhealthy relationship dynamic. I am not a mental health professional, just speaking from personal experience, and especially as somebody who's only been in heteronormative relationships, I will say that a lot of guys tend to do this. So it sucks, but remember that a healthy relationship might seem kind of boring at first, and sparks might not fly everywhere. I think healthy love can really be like built and strengthened. Dramatic sip of tea time. Okay, number 25, the most necessary type of self-care is the least sexy. Things like taking walks and sleeping and eating and hydrating and journaling, everything else, anything that costs a lot of money or anything that takes a lot of your time, some of it might be worthwhile, but you need to make sure that you do the basic self-care before adding in the enhancement self-care. So, If you're feeling out of sorts, ask yourself, did I sleep well? Did I drink water? Did I eat breakfast? Did I hydrate? Did I overdo my caffeine? Did I journal? Did I sit in meditation? Did I spend time with myself? Those kinds of things are what are going to get you through, and that's what matters a lot more than bubble baths and face masks, although those can be fun too. But anyway, I have so much more that I could share with you. I feel like I'm always learning and growing, and I'm so grateful that we could do it together. But I will leave it here. Happy birthday to me. Thank you so much for making me feel so special and valued and loved. Cheers to 25, and thanks for celebrating my birthday with me today on the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Love you. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. 
You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.